Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Reality Redefined. My name is Nick. I'm Ian. You're Ian that apparently did not know that we were recording. I knew, I just thought I had more time to uh, throw you, that out there. You didn't have a lot of time. No. Uh, so what's going on, man? Uh, other other than we're sitting here watching the NFL draft. Well, you're watching and I'm just kind of staring at the screen because yeah. I could give two shits. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I said, you know, throw ball, run fast, make lots of make money. Make lots of money. Yeah. I mean, these guys are making like lots and lots of money. I mean, they're making lots of money, but yeah, they're making more than like I said, scientists who cure diseases. You know, overall, depends on where those scientists work. This this is true. Those scientists work for, oh, say a large research university. uh, Are they making millions of dollars? The university is. So I don't know if you know that or not, but like all the research stuff that goes on at U of M. The doctors don't keep don't get those patents, right? I know uh, the patents all go to the university, right? So the university is actually the one making all the money off of it, not the people like doing the actual research, right? <clears throat> so I mean, but they're still not getting paid millions of dollars a year to 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 make money for because the same thing, you know? Yeah, but um, but but football ta- players not making what the team and the owners are making, but no, because they're making billions of dollars a year, right? Right. So that's my I point. Mean, if if you like if you break it down to like fraction wise, um, you know percentage wise they're probably making a little bit more percentage wise than what the average person makes, but it's not like an astronomical difference. That sounds very Republican. Uh, how how does that sound very? <laughs> We're rep- not really paying less taxes when you break it down to percentage. No, 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 because what I'm talking about is normally you work for a business that makes. You know, millions of dollars a year or a million dollars a year. Right. And you're making a percentage of the profits. You, it goes in your goes out in payroll. But you're, I know, but you're also, it's your labor that's that's translating into the profits. That's, so is it here also? I know, I'm not. It's the, the, the football player. Hey, hey. The, hold on, hold on. The football player is the employee, and it just happens to be that the NFL Fifty percent, or roughly fifty percent, I think is what the number is of profits goes to player salaries. Mm. It just they happen to work for a company because teams are businesses, organizations that make billions of dollars a year and have billion dollar, you know, uh, TV contracts and things like that. So I mean, I know people like shit on and, and don't do, challenge my communist views, okay? <laughs> they <laughs> or at do, least my socialist they, views. They do make a shitload of money, but I mean, it's not. I don't think it's like. Like I said, percentage-wise, what normal people make, it's not the – like I said, you're just working for a different company that makes a lot less money. Yeah. Like I said, though, it's a, that's a very similar argument to, you know, yeah, I may have billions of dollars, but I still pay 10% tax like you guys do when we that's, really that's pay 15%. Not, though. That's not, though. It, 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 I know. It, it, but when you're, but talk, when you're arguing but, it in, but in terms but, of percentages – But it's not, a, that's not a comparable argument, though. It kind of is. It's not because I'm talking about salaries, right? Based on, based on uh, gross profit or net profit. I'm talking about and, taxes and it's, and based it's, and, on and it's, gross I know, or but, net but, but income com- compared to say the normal employee, the like us. I, it, you can compare our salary or the or the the salary for the group of employees at the hospital compared to percentage wise to the net uh, profit of the hospital, you can compare those two because it's the same. Mm. You're comparing the same things, not saying it's really kind of hard to say that me talking about 
uh, you know, player football player salary compared to the profit of the team or league is comparable to someone saying they pay taxes. That's not like you're not comparing apples. I'm just to saying. Apples. I'm just saying you're using percentages as the argument. And that's there. There. I, I know, but I'm like I'm comparing apples to apples. Hmm. So, how does that work with like fast food employees? Because their percentage can't be the same. Can't be. Uh, but it probably is because you're talking about. So let's take the NFL for 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 example. I'm, not everyone makes the same amount of money. Obviously, there's people that make a shitload of money, and people that don't that make like I don't know what the base salary is in the NFL two hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That's for players, or is that yeah for, for players okay. for players. So if you take a fast food, let's say McDonald's, the McDonald's mm-hmm. down the road, you can't really say McDonald's, but you that particular McDonald's, you'd have to say like the umbrella that is McDonald's. You know the salaries in that organization. Is probably similar to salaries, say in the NFL. You have some people that are making, you know, twelve bucks an hour, and then people that are making, you know, a million dollars. I think McDonald's starting pay is still, I think nine, nine something. The one down the road here starts, I think, I think at twelve. Yeah, I've seen that on a lot of other fast food places, but I don't. The one, I don't know if I've noticed at the McDonald's by my house. Um, But that's what I'm saying, though. So you've got like a wide range of salaries there at McDonald's, so you can look at McDonald's total yearly combined payroll mm-hmm. and compare that to the to the percentage of uh, of yearly profits and that's going to be you know 40 percent 45 percent or whatever it is right but that's all i'm saying though is that like the nfl i want to say it's 50 percent. i think the players get 50 percent of the profits mm-hmm. as far as like salaries go so, I mean, it, yeah, it sounds like a shitload of money, but they're working for somebody that's like the, that has, that makes more money out of organization wise, like total league wise than probably any business in the world. Hmm. Makes okay. sense? Yeah. No. Yeah. It makes sense. Oh, okay. Like I said, just, you're just challenging my socialist idealism. <laughs> I mean, it, whatever. How? I mean, what's. Because you think everyone should make the same amount of money? No, no. I just, I don't know. I just, I get, I get that the football makes a lot of money. I just don't understand why people have to get paid so much money to play a fucking game. I know, I know. But, but but here's the thing, though. It's like, let's say, you know, the profits for the NFL are five billion dollars a year. Mm. Uh, the NFL is still going to make five billion dollars a year, whether or not they pay out fifty percent of that to the right. employees or. 10% to their employees. Right. Those people are still making $5 billion a year. I mean, so it's like, I don't know. So what you're saying is it's not the it's not the NFL's fault. It's the fucking people who watch the NFL. It's, well, and it's not even that. It's really just advertising. Like this. Well, that, that, yeah, that, the advertising is based on the people watching That's the watching crazy it. thing is like, and we've talked about that before. It's like advertising drives everything. Everything in this world is driven by advertising. Whether it's YouTube or the internet or Facebook, you know, all this stuff is, I don't know if you've been paying attention to it at all, but uh, uh, Facebook's in a big fight with with Apple right now because in the new version of the, the iOS software, like, you have to physically consent to every single app tracking your data. Mm. And Facebook is pissed because... That includes Facebook. That includes Facebook. And Facebook made $5 billion last year 
advertising through advertising right. like 5.7 and i would imagine that the percentage of people who are going to opt out of advertising is very high oh yeah if you're given the choice you're absolutely always going to click please do not track my data right every everyone's going to do that so that's a lot of money that because that's that's the big thing that facebook sells is targeted advertising right and they charge a lot for targeted advertising and if you're if you see if you're a fan of Doctor Who and they show you a Doctor Who ad, you're much more likely to click on that than if they show a Golden Girls ad. I'm I just, might I might click on that too. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not voluntarily. Golden Girls is one of those shows though. If it's fucking on, it could be. If I come across it and it's on, I'm going to sit and watch it until yes, it's done. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So there's a big fight between Facebook and and Apple about right mm. there right now about that. Huh. Because, like, yeah, they're pissed. I wondered why I, I started getting all those. Like, every time I click on a new app or open up an app I haven't opened in a while, it comes up with that box. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. I'm assuming Google is not doing Decline. that. No. Uh-uh. Well, because Google relies on targeted ads, too. Exactly. But We're, Apple doesn't? No. Hmm. Well, they don't app, have to. They charge $2,000 for a phone. <laughs> uh, so does Google. Yeah, I don't buy Google phones either. <laughs> well, I mean, so does Samsung. No, no. The most expensive phone they have is 800 bucks. That's more than that. This was the most exp- well. Again, that, was that was five four, years, four, four, four years, years ago. ago. Yeah, my phone was the most expensive phone when I bought it. And, it and you like can and, and you can buy an iPhone for seven hundred bucks, brand yeah. new. But so, that's base model. This yeah, but, this was the top line for eight hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, their Samsung phones go for over a thousand dollars. Because they're all in the same damn ballpark now. But yeah, I uh, guess so. But you know, I don't know. It's just. And, Plus, Samsung makes money off of TVs and computers and everything right. else. So, I mean, it's like they're all – that's the funny thing is about the whole argument but between the two. They're all the same fucking companies. Right. Uh, and, but when it comes to privacy, they're not because Apple takes privacy very seriously, and they always have. And there's always been – there's like – I'm sure over the past decade, there's probably always been at least one lawsuit constantly against Apple about privacy. And things. Because there for a while, like, the FBI and the government were pissed because – what was it? It was there was there was some mass shooting in California, where uh, the government was suing Apple to, to get, get a, access to, to a phone yeah. to get access to the phone, and Apple was like, "Fuck you!" Right? <laughs> I think as yeah. they should, to be honest with you. Unless, well, I think I they, mean, they, I they think, can subpoena it. I think. I mean, that should still be a legal thing. Yeah, but I don't. But they'd have to get a warrant. They can't just say we we want access to this. Uh, they did get a warrant, and Apple told them to go fuck themselves because. Well, that that's not legal. I mean, they, sure it is. There's no law that, that grants the government information, uh, the access to your private information. On that's your what warrants are for. That doesn't guarantee they're going to have to get the information. They end up taking Apple to, to court over, it, and I believe Apple end up settling and un- and unlock the phone. Right, because I mean that that's the point. That, that there's <clears throat> checks and balances there. There's. There's steps that the government or legal I'm, organizations have to go through to to obtain that information. But the thing, the whole the whole thing was, is Apple kept saying that there's no way to access the data. Oh, okay. that they have no way to access it. Oh, I see. Um, and I don't know. It took them a while. I don't know if they end up doing it or not, being able to hack into the hack into the phone. But they don't have because that's the whole thing. Is there when when thumbprint scanners? Became popular on iPhones. Everyone's like, "Oh, up in arms! Oh, well, you know, you're giving Apple your thumbprint." Mm. And Apple's whole thing was, yeah, "Yeah, it's stored on your phone. We can't access it." Right. You know. Right. So, like I said, I don't know if they end up being able to engineer a backdoor 
to get into those phones or not. But yeah, that was the whole fight was them saying that they couldn't get into it. Hmm. If they if they were honest or not, I don't know. I don't know what the right exact outcome of it was, but yeah. That's fair. I know it was going on for a while though. I remember hearing about it. Because that even, like, there was a lot of debate going just down to the baseline where a police officer pulls you over and requests access to your phone. And, and I want to say in, like, 20 states in the in the country, they don't need a warrant to access your phone. The your phone. They do in the state of Michigan now. Yeah. Well, they should. Yeah, they Without should. Without a warrant. If they have a warrant, then you have to hand over your phone. But if they do not have yeah. a, a legally obtained warrant, then no. Yeah. And I, that's, you know, coming from someone who never really breaks law. In any way. I'm sure you've broken quite a few laws before you know yes, I've Yes, I speed a little bit here and there. Yeah, but... I, mean, I, I underage smoked for a few years. <laughs> like five. Yeah. Six. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's five. probably people that have been shot over things like that before. Yeah, you know, but my point but, is, is that, uh, that's, that's, those are the things they're never going to ask for my phone, but if they ever did, yeah. they'd have to get a warrant. And that, I, that's the kind of thing that makes me think, you know, because I, I don't want to really go off down this path, but... Mm-hmm. I will for a short period. Um, the whole like police brutality thing, you know, the the opposite side of that always says, "Well, just comply, just comply." If the cops ask you, tell you to do something, you just do it. Mm-hmm. How many of those people that say that if they are pulled over for no reason, and the cop was like, "Well, let me see your phone," how many of them would hand over their phone? No, willingly. Not, well, half of them wouldn't even get out of the fucking car. Did you see yeah. that viral video going around? No. Uh-uh. So what two white cops pull over this white guy? Uh, they're asking him to get out of his car. He's like, no. And they're like, do you have weapons? He's like, yeah, I got a gun. And he like lifts it up and they pull their guns and he pull, he points their, his gun at them Are you and serious? says, put your guns down. Are you fucking serious? And he goes, I, he goes, put your guns down. I'm like, get out of the car. He goes, no, you put your guns down. He's like, literally standoff. They put their fucking guns in their holster. Are you serious? Yeah. And you know what he Where? does? He pulls his door shut and drives away. Where did this happen? I don't know. It was a viral video that I saw on uh, Facebook. Well, you can't always trust. Video, no, but it was but... it was an ob- it was a video. It was like know, a phone yeah, yeah. video. It wasn't. I mean, Greg, I guess it could have been. Was staged. it was it like body cam footage or no? Someone videotaping it. So the guy himself was videotaping the, the guy. No, it was a, someone off the uh, off, the, off the, side, the side, and the guy in the car literally pointed his gun at the cops and said, "Put your guns down." Wow! And they fucking did. Now, if a black man had even said he had a gun in the car, he probably would have been shot, or at least tased. Yeah. And drug out of the car because they kept opening his door and he kept pulling it shut. Really? Yeah. I did that to a cop one time. Did you? Yeah. I've never been asked to get on my car. Yeah. I. I uh, well, except one time. <laughs> yeah. There was. I, I was going into Canada one time, and uh, for reasons I won't get into on the show, we were uh, detained and like strip searched, and it wasn't my fault. No. The guy, the person I was with. Was drunk. <laughs> no, had some oh. marijuana in his in his well, marijuana paraphernalia. We'll right. call it that in his vehicle. Yeah, so we got strip search and all that stuff. Fun time. Mm. And then uh, coming back into the U.S., I was like drunk in the vehicle, and uh, I thought that my his raggedy vehicle. I thought the door was just falling open, and I like slammed it shut like three times until like the next thing I know, I'm being like pulled out of the vehicle by a border patrol so i've been, mm. I've been pulled out of a vehicle before yeah well if you had just complied that would never have happened <laughs> <laughs> bastards yeah, but and to be fair they didn't shoot you that's, that's true but i'm gonna tell you right now like um 
and I don't, and I know this may uh, this may piss people off, and and I'm sure there's people out there who would think this is uh, wrong of me to say or do. But I'm going to tell you right now, if I walk out my door right now, and a cop stops me, and I think that I'm doing nothing wrong, I'm absolutely 100 percent going to fucking challenge him. Me too. Me too. And but see, that's but we. I think you and I both understand that we as white men yeah. can do that yeah. without really worrying about our lives. Well, that's the yeah. white we understand there's white privilege involved. Oh, there, absolutely. You know. But yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'm not going to comply for no reason. Nope. They no. have to have a fucking reason. Yes. And and you look suspicious is not a fucking reason. I've gotten that one before. Yeah. So back in the day me and and a mutual friend who is he he's a black man, he's just I mean, well, he's mixed. But anyway, we're down on uh, in a certain part of southeastern Michigan, minding our own business, walking on the street, and had three police cars pull up saying that we fit a profile. And, I mean, I was pissed. And uh, they detained us for, like, 45 minutes until finally another cop pulled up and was like, yeah, they don't look anything like him. Let him go. Then let us mm-hmm. go, but uh, you know. So I, I've been in that situation. I've, I don't think I fit their profile. Right. I think it the was, person, yeah, was with, it wasn't you. The person you I just, was with. Yeah. And you know what? Now that I think about it, I was with that same person when he got pulled over going into Canada. <laughs> Damn him! <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was necessarily could be considered racist because that's. I mean, maybe, may I, I? You never know, but I would say it's probably more to do with um, just the way Border Patrol is. What? Back then. Oh, no, oh yeah. no. The, the whole thing coming back into Canada? Well, no, yeah, I was going that, in. You said your strip search going in, Oh, right? yeah, yeah. No, no, no. None of that had anything to do with, with, with racism. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the time we were detained for, right. on the, on the side. Just for walking on down the, the street. Side, yeah, for yeah. walking on the street, yeah, because we fit a profile. And that was the funniest thing about it is like, all right, so there's a white guy and a black guy. We fit a profile for a lot of shit. Right. You know? <laughs> a sitcom, buddy cop movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it was just like, a stoner comedy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any number of things. Uh, around there, it definitely could have been a stoner comedy. Because <laughs> right. I want to say that was like 90, 99. Because I think it was like right before, right around the time that Mandy and I started dating. So it might have been like 99. 99. I don't know. It's uh, That was a long, long time ago. Yes, it was. 20, 22 years ago? 23, really. I mean, think about it. 98. Well, 99. Oh, 99. Yeah, 99 I started dating in 99. Yeah, 22 years. It had to be, it had to have been 99. Yeah, it had to be 99. But uh, I don't know. Now that we're like almost 20 minutes in the show, we do have a topic for today. Yeah. It has nothing to do with politics of any not, kind. Well, we didn't really get into politics. Yeah, a little se. bit. I, I expressed how you were challenging my socialist views, and then we talked about yes, white privilege yes, a little bit, yeah, which yes. is a hot topic politically. Yeah, but it really shouldn't be. No, you're but, right. It shouldn't be. Because it it's is. not like neither one of us were like, ah, it's because these damn whiteies. Although I was thinking it. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, was thinking I it. mean, I always do say that I am very racist against white people. So yeah. I guess it's... <laughs> but they fucking and, earned it. <laughs> and the last of the people that were listening to us just turned right. us off. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> something tells me our audience, all, all of what, five or six of them are probably <laughs> very white. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? I don't know. Well, there's a lot of, uh, now I think you're like. Making, generalizing. You're generalizing yeah. there because not all white people are racist. Just the ones that 
live in the south but anyway well and there's a lot that live in the north too yeah i know that. well actually i had a black guy so when i minneapolis is a northern state technically yeah, I, I uh i when i when i lived in tennessee the place i worked at there was like two black guys that worked there one guy like like every time he came to like came back to our area where i was working at it was working like a, a building supply company down there and every time he came back in our area, this other white guy that I worked with thought it would be really funny to put like this. It was a white bag, but it looked like a hood. So he'd like put a hood on his head and make him look like a Klansman. Mm. And he thought it was really funny. And one day I asked the black guy, I was like, dude, why do you put up with this shit? Why do you even live down here? And he's like, he told me he'd rather live in the South where he knew who the racists were. Right. Than well, live- I think he probably just assumed they were all racist to yeah. some degree. Uh, than to live in the north where people it's kind of hidden yeah, yeah. They, they, i had a black guy tell me that too yeah. uh guy that worked at the party store where next to the pet store i worked at yeah um lonnie was his name and he told me the same thing he said you know i because i made a comment about the south being very racist he goes yeah but you know what you know them you, yeah. you, you know who your enemy is down there you yeah. don't up here i was yeah. like Wow, that, that's, that's true. That's eye-opening because I didn't think of that, you know. It's very true. I mean, I know several people here. I mean, we went to school in a somewhat diverse area. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty and, 50-50 or pretty damn close. Yeah, and we went to school. We had some pretty big, you know, skinheads and neo-Nazis yeah. and white supremacists in our school. Yeah. You know? And that was in the mid-90s. Right. Well, that's it wasn't as obvious because they had to hide back then. Really hide. Yeah. They don't hide not, as much well, anymore. Well, I don't think they really hid back then either. Yeah. Well, not, not I can only think of a couple that I know of for sure that were, like, extremely racist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and the funny thing is, like, one of the bigger ones that we went to school with is now a minister. So. Yeah, well. <laughs> I figured I'd open the door up for that, Ian. <laughs> Ministers can be racist, oh, too. I know that, I know. You know. Uh, they and they and honestly, they can they can preach a, a, a the, the you know an honest uh, um have an honest message. There's that uh, a viral video going around about that. You're like Minister. the king of viral videos because I, 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 I have no life, Nick. <laughs> I have no life and no ambition. So what do I do? Um, but it was a it was a sermon. This very very white pastor was giving in a southern church, and uh, he basically was telling people that if. Uh, if you're racist, you should just get out of this church because you're not following what yeah. he determined or what he says is the yeah. you know the path. Which hey, you know what? I disagree. I think I don't think the Bible's racist, but I think it's uh, <laughs> it has its moments of of problems. Well, I, I would, but s- you know it. Uh, the message was that was a good message. Yeah. You know, I would say that a lot of times, and this isn't just in reference to the Bible; it's really in reference to everything. You know, whatever your um beliefs are you will always use justification to kind of twist whatever it is mm-hmm. to your well, you, views. you don't always but you you will from yeah, time to time well, I, I think you i think a lot of people do even even in very mundane situations mm-hmm. it's like you know people are like oh well you know you never see yellow cars until you buy one it's kind of the same thing it's like you mm-hmm. you're not you you see it because that's what you are. You that's what that's what the situation you're in. Yeah, I suppose. I've you know. seen yellow cars. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm to our topic. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about a haunted house. 
Well, a, a rumored haunted a house. Rumored a supposed house. haunted house. So what is it, Ian? Oh, it's the Amityville Horror. Long pause. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the Amityville Horror. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Done deal. What are we talking about? Is it uh, just I, like- well, I, when I brought up this topic, I wanted to kind of approach it from like hoax or, or real. And I read the book. So did I. Several a long times. Time ago. Yeah, I've read, I've read it several times. I've seen the movies. I don't. I don't want to talk about the movies so much. Um, I didn't really like the first movie, even though neither one of them were really accurate to the book. I think the first one was more accurate because I told you I watched a movie today. That was the movie I watched. Oh, okay. Was the new the remake? Yeah, um, with uh, Ryan Reynolds. With Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I, it was good for. Like, you know what I noticed? It was good He's for, like, like shirtless in half of that movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't understand that because <laughs> it's Ryan Reynolds. That's why. Uh, I would say that I like the I like the remake as a as like a, a horror film. Horror yeah, film. I, I agree. But like I said, neither one of them are very accurate. To no, the book. they take they take the basic premise and and the the beats, and that's yeah. it. They don't the details are are very different. Yeah. But then again, if you look at the books specifically, the book, the we'll just we're gonna focus on the the first book. Well, before you get into the book, do you want to give them like a quick rundown of what exactly, in case sure. they aren't familiar with the okay. Eagle Horror? Uh, Nineteen seventy four, I believe, is ni- November. Night? November 14th. November thirteenth, nineteen seventy four. Yeah, that's where I got my notes. Around six thirty p.m. P.m. Yes. Well, is the is murders when, is when is when he goes into the bar and right. says that his family was killed. Okay, it was earlier that day though. Okay, because um, he did it before he left. For he did work. it at night. <laughs> they were asleep in bed. Okay. So yeah. So anyway, so Ron, I, Ronald DeFeo. I thought he like killed them and then left it for work though. So there's were, some there's some discrepancies the, I, I I noticed in a lot of the details I was looking up. Okay. Um because I also read I, was, the book. I will I will say it's been like twenty years since I've read the book. Yeah. Well, it doesn't the the Amityville horror goes into some detail, but not, not a, lot. a lot. I read the actual book about the DeFeo murders as well. Um and we you know, full it had like crime scene photos, everything. Yeah. And even the details there don't match up with a lot of what I read online doing my research. So so give him a, give so him anyway, Ronald DeFeo. Give him the quick and dirty. Yeah, I'll keep it simple. Ronald DeFeo, at some point, November thirteenth, nineteen seventy four, shot six members of his family while they're in their bed. While they're in their bed with a high powered rifle. Now, what makes that interesting beyond the fact that he murdered his entire family was that a high powered rifle is going to be heard when it fires. It was yeah. not heard by anyone. anyone. They heard the dog barking on the inside yeah. of the house, but not the gunshots. Yeah. That's weird. Well, uh, I'm just like, I'm laying that yeah, out. Okay, I'm okay. laying that out All there right. because it does lead to to a, um, the argument or the plea that Ronald DeFeo's lawyer put forward that he was hearing voices coming from the radio mm-hmm. specifically. And that he was not in control of his actions because he was possessed, yeah. potentially possessed. And the family was plotting against him. And the plot, yeah, and plotting against him, and that they were demons. There were that was said too. So he is convicted of those murders. The house that they lived in, died in, went on went on the market for over a year, and it sold to the Lutzes in 1975. Yeah. December of 1975, a year later. 
Now, when they move in, they are supposedly told about the murders, yeah. but they did not know about the murders they claim. And 28 days later, they leave, claiming that the house is extremely haunted. It had been affecting them. It had affected George Lutz, the father, in similar ways as it was reported it affected Ronald DeFeo. Mm-hmm. And when they left, they left everything behind. Yeah. They did not take anything, and they, and they never went back. They took the clothes on their back. And Basically, and they never went back. Now, what I found out after, what I've done some reading and, and other things that have come up, they were very aware of that case Yeah, before they bought the house. It wasn't just, oh, we want to buy this house. Well, we got to tell you there was a murder here. Yeah. Several murders. They were aware of it. And especially in that area, like everyone. Knew. Well, they were from Deer Park. I don't know how, how, cause I mean, we're talking that, the 1970s. I know it those was a big, mur- those kind of murders aren't, weren't like, right. just like, but it wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility that they hadn't heard or, or may have heard of the case, but didn't exactly know that that was the house. Yeah. Cause it was, it wasn't, I guess that's, like that's, that's possible. So, but there was a lot of interaction between the Lutzes and the DeFeo's lawyer after the case, after they moved out of the house. Yeah. And it seems to me, I'm just going to say, throw my view out there right off the bat. I suspect that the Lutzes were hired or at least were willing participants. Were willing participants in trying to create a sensationalized case to possibly use for um, appeal. Which makes complete sense because. Uh, during the trial, Ronald DeFeo made up his whole story about how he was married to a woman. I don't remember what her yep. name was, mm-hmm. and that her brother was there, right. and they were all, and and come to find out, like they were married, but they didn't get married until like the freaking eighties right. or something. Well, like not that. only that, but he claimed to have been with her the day that they, or the night that the kid, the family was shot. Yes, and he wasn't. He said he didn't even live there yeah. at first. And he, he lived with he, her. Yeah, yeah, but he did live there. He lived. He had been living there for months. Yes, and it was all, and she even admitted, I don't remember, it was around the same time, it, it was at some point in the 80s, she even admitted that she married him as part of the defense. Right. That it was so, all just this plot to to use this insanity plea. Mm-hmm. And I guess the brother, or I, I don't know if it was a brother or if it was just her friend, but. Um, he changed the story several he times. He doesn't even exist. Right. Well, but he said that, yeah, right. And he, there were, when he changed, when I say he changed the story, at one point it was her brother. At another point it was him, him and two friends. Yes. I mean, his story constantly changed. Yes. Um, and, and well, and then his story went to that it was his sister that was, kill- she, she killed everybody and he killed her. Yes. Um, and then there, then it changed to they killed everyone together. Yes. And then he killed her. Now, the funny thing is about Ronald DeFeo, and I didn't know this until today when I, when I looked it up. He died in prison last month. Yeah. Well, that was kind of another thing that kind of made me think I about didn't, I didn't know. He died March 12th of this yep, year. Yeah. He, it was on, it was all kind of on the news. I wasn't like, it wasn't like a, you know, local news, but it was yeah. in the news feeds. So I guess going into the book now. I've always been fascinated because, I, like I said, I read the book a long time ago. I've read it. First time I read it, I read it in two and a half days, which for me is a it's record. Not a, it's not a super long book. No, it's, a, it's just under 300 pages, but um, 
I just basically sat and read it for like two and a half days. Yeah. And because it's, it's, you know, from a horror perspective, it's actually a really kind of creepy book. It is. It really is. Um, but, you know, when you figure in, and, and of course, when I read it, I was like 13. So I was like all sold on, like, this is a true story. Oh, my God. You know, I remember when, like, when the, when I read it, I read it over the summer. Mm-hmm. Me and too. I, and I want to say it was like summer of 95. I read it in summer of 93. Okay. So it was either like 94 or 95 then mm-hmm. during the summertime when I read it. Mm-hmm. And I remember like halfway through the book. Now, this is like the middle of summer. In halfway through the book when I'm reading this thing. I caught pneumonia. Hmm. And I was like, oh my God. Right, because the priest in the book gets very sick. This fucking book. And I want to say it was like around that uh, around that part in the book. I was like, oh my God, this fucking book is trying to kill me. <laughs> so I stopped reading it for like a, a couple of weeks. Right. Before I went back to, to finish it off. I, I, did, I didn't get sick. Like I said, I read it in... About two and a half days, and I I really was just reading it and sleeping. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, it really is a good creepy read. I've tried to read it again. I've read it several times, but I've tried to read it again recently. And obviously, I, I'm more mature now. I've read a lot more books. You're a little more skeptical now, man. Well, and even even that aside, because I still only read it from a from a horror perspective. It's like I'm reading yeah. a, you know a fiction novel. Because I do believe I do believe the vast majority of it was fiction. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just the the prose isn't very good. Okay. Because it's not it's it. not written it's written as a as a testimony. Yeah. More than a novel, but some of the things that that stand out the story wise you know as far as the story goes the haunting part his mood swings George Lutz's mood swings you know obviously tying into what DeFeo went through the um, which is explainable if. They're in constant conversation with DeFeo's attorneys, right? But even if you take that out of the out of the equation, they were stretching themselves very thin financially to buy that house, even though it was a steal. It was eighty thousand yeah. dollars, which is a, a lot of money back then. Which is a lot of money back then, but it was also in a neighborhood where houses were starting at like one hundred fifty thousand yeah. and up. So they an, got a hell of a deal on that it was house. An affluent neighborhood, yes. So. You know, there's financial problems. Uh, George's company was it was a, um, uh, uh, it wasn't like a contractor. He was a contractor, but he was a surveyor. It was a surveying okay. company. Yeah. So the market, even though those houses in that area were expensive, there wasn't a lot of construction going on. Yeah. If there's not a lot of construction, there's not a lot of surveying going mm-hmm. on. So the the finances were pretty tight. So. You figure that kind of stress is going to change people's moods, especially in a household with, you know, kids and everything That's else. That's assuming he did go through mood changes. Right, right. Yeah. As, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it from the perspective that at least finding the truth, what what is most likely true yes. within the story. Yeah. And at least trying to explain that rationally. They talk about um, foul smells in the house, specifically from the toilet. The smell would come and go. Yeah. All the toilets in the house turned black at one point. Not just the water, but the actual porcelain turned black. Yeah. And they couldn't scrub it out. Which, and, and I will say that 
from everything I've read about the house, after the Lutz family moved mm-hmm. out in a hurry, I was going to get to that part too. Like no one, I believe the same family has lived there. No, it just recently sold for one point five million dollars so oh. in two thousand eighteen, I think. But no one has had any issues, and I think it's had three three owners. This is the okay. third owner in forty some years. Okay. Uh, yes, the people moved in immediately after never had any problems, yeah. and then no one subsequently have had problems. So that's a, that's another thing that puts kind of a nail in the coffin of yeah. truth versus fiction. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything because if you do if you do read the supplementary stuff, the the sequels, and I watch a lot of paranormal shit. Yeah, I, as I'm I'm fascinated by it, even though I'm I don't really believe in it. If you read the subsequent novels, all of that shit that was going on there followed them it left with them it attached to them and left with them of course of course it works right i will say that the lutz family has made a lot of money yeah they did off of this story and they never they never really changed their story they never came out and said look we it was all a hoax they they stuck to it george and kathy lutz stuck to it till they died and that was even after they got divorced yeah and george died i think 2000 I didn't write it down. I should have written it down. Um, she died a year or two before him. But I, as a as a as a side note to that, one of the child children, Dan Lutz, did a documentary called "My Amityville Horror," and he still maintains that a lot of that shit happened. And he was young though, wasn't he? He was ten, eleven, twelve in that range. Yeah. He was the oldest of the kids. Didn't get along. He might have even actually been a little older. George Lutz died in uh, May of 2006. Six, okay. And Kathy was like 2004 or five, I think. Okay. They got divorced in 88. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So he did not like George Lutz at all. Did not get along with him even back then. You know, but that's normal step stepson, stepfather stuff. That's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. But he still maintains that a lot of that stuff happened. But his his approach to it was that... It wasn't the house that was haunted. It was George that was haunted because he was into all this kind of like occult stuff. Okay. So that was his, his, he maintained that. Uh, even doing like rituals and stuff at the house. According really? to According to him, yeah. I guess it's like, it's just, uh, to me, looking at it, it's just another way of kind of like extending the story. Right. And, and yeah, I... I the Dan, Dan, I think that's his name, Dan Lutz. Uh, yes, he went was. through a, he went through a lot of. I mean, he had drug issues. He was estranged from his own family. What year did, did was that? Seventy five that they lived there. Yes. So he would been. Well, they moved in in December seventy five. and moved out in January seventy six. Okay, so he was ten years old. Ten years old. Okay, but I think he was the oldest of the kids. I'm okay. pretty sure. Because um, there was three of them. It was Dan, Missy. Well, that wasn't her real name. Missy was changed, and they never said her real name. But she was the youngest, I think. That was changed for the book, and it hasn't well, been changed. They, her real name has never been expressed. Has never been told. Are you sure? As far as I know, because it's Missy in the book, and I was under the impression that that her name was changed. Well, I thought all the kids' names were changed, but I th- I know. Well, according to what I just found online, there's Dan, Christopher, and Missy. Right. 
But I, I thought that the youngest, her, her, they changed her name. But oh, anyway, maybe they did. I don't, I don't know. Uh, for the book and for the notoriety. And they, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. It doesn't really matter. I don't know what happened to the other two. They've never been public, as far as I know. But Dan made that documentary, and he you know, talked about it, like I said, his own estrangement with his kids, his own issues with drinking, mainly with drinking, and not so much drugs, but drinking. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it goes into a lot of detail about his relationship with, with George, and it was not, not a good relationship. And it got worse as he got older, to the point where I think he moved away from them. Like he moved out on his own at fifteen or sixteen, according to the documentary. Mm. But he he still maintains that there was supernatural things occurring. He said that in at one point during one of these rituals that George did, he actually levitated himself ten feet off the ground. Okay, I'm not buying that, but that's just well. I mean, is it any more far fetched than the walls dripping blood? You know. Yeah, I mean, what always one of the things that I I always liked or was fascinated by was the the hidden room, the red room in mm-hmm. the basement. But of course, the the following owner said there was no, no hidden room. Yeah. It was a it was a small like. Um, it was like a root cellar. Yeah, like a little cellar. Yeah, a little R- cellar. Root area. cellar there. And it wasn't red, <laughs> but according to the book, it was a red room. And th- you know, there's a lot of speculation of what what that room was, but that's where a lot of the evil was supposedly coming yeah. from. Yeah, I remember all that. The uh, the imaginary friend that Missy had, which was a pig. Her, her name wasn't Missy in the book, was it? It was in the book. Yeah, Jody was the pig in the book. Yeah, and it was a. And again, if you follow a lot of the paranormal stuff, demons will generally take the the appearance of a pig because it's you know the Jesus the exorcism that yeah. Jesus did and cast the demons into the swine, so they'll take the 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 appearance or you know make pig sounds things like that. So that that was always kind of fascinating too, um, and. You know, just these little like beats in the book. They were so ori- kind of original for a horror, for, you know, for a horror novel at the mm-hmm. time. I mean, ghost stories would written ghost stories like just didn't have that kind of stuff. And maybe that's what really attracted me to it. But you know, as an as an adult and someone who's really been able to really look back on the stories, if none of this stuff happened to any of the other families to any degree, then it did. It couldn't have happened to them. Yeah, because it just. You you know you watch this paranormal stuff and these hauntings go on for centuries in some cases. Why did it leave with them? Oh, so what I was just reading is I found this website um, Enfieldhaunting.com. Okay, that's the the one from uh, Britain. Okay, all right. So is this like a reputable kind of place or so? Anyway, well, no. I mean, it, it, I don't know, but I'm the, there was the Enfield, you, you, you the know, Enfield, Enfield Poltergeist. Oh, okay. was, uh, a case in the UK. So it, it actually goes in a little bit, a little bit of detail about the other siblings. Okay. And because there were, there were three siblings from a previous relationship that Kathy had. Oh, I didn't know. They didn't talk about that or, in the book. It says. Three of the five children in the Lutz family were Kathy's kids from a previous marriage. Okay. So, anyway, but apparently, like, all the other kids have been pretty steadfast in saying that it was all a hoax. Okay. It actually got to the point where the Lutz, like, family, the whatever the whatever's left of the, the organization of the family, 
uh, sued one of the one of the siblings uh, because he he was going on. It might might have been Dan Lutz because, like I said, that that documentary just came out like twenty fifteen or uh, twenty. No, I'm sorry, twenty twelve. So Christopher Quarantino was seven at the time of the haunting, mm-hmm. and. He's he was the person that the family sued. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So it even so it sounds like from what I was reading here, you know, really quick, it sounds like Dan Lutz is really kind of the only one that has kind of kept up this, maintained the story, maintained the story. Missy, according to this article I was reading, talked about how it was a traumatic event, but it looks like she was kind of referencing more of the the Lutz family feud that mm. followed the events, not any kind of like haunting. Right. Well, and she was even younger. Yeah, she, she was, was five. Like five, yeah. So I'm, I would imagine her memory of it is very vague anyway. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I've... I don't know. When if, I read it as a kid, I read it... If you're going it, through like traumatic shit like what was in that book... You would probably remember would, some of it. You would remember some I of it. I would think so. At least the... You'd be scarred by some of it. Right, because at one point in the book, George is kind of close to murdering them. Yes. And you, yeah, I think you'd remember that. Yes. So, I don't know. The um, What's interesting about that is the Enfield Poltergeist story, which I don't know if it's connected to that website or not. That's just what they call themselves, but um, was one of the other cases that the Warrens investigated and they also investigated briefly the Amityville case. Yeah. They're the ones who got that that very famous picture of the okay. little boy sticking his yes. head through the and it's supposedly one of the DeFeo children. Yes. So their 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 team is the one who captured that photo. Hans Holzer is also another paranormal investigator who studied that and he's the one who read wrote the book on the DeFeo murders. Yeah. He didn't write it from a paranormal perspective, though, which is kind of interesting. He wrote it from, like, a true crime perspective, mm-hmm. which is fine. But he also wrote a book that goes into his his theory about the land and Native Americans, which historians have now also debunked. Yes. Because I, I will supposedly say that- there's, you know, there was burial grounds, and there's, you know, historically these tribes that lived there said... We don't have any record of any burial grounds yes. on that area in that area. So, I mean, even that, it's like, okay, you look at it from another perspective, and it just doesn't it just doesn't come together, you know, the the haunting part no. of it. And again, I'm not really necessarily a believer in hauntings anyway. I don't know if I believe they exist, but the evidence is mounting against this particular haunting yeah, being especially accurate. since like every single like person that's investigated it believes that's a hoax right except for the warrens yes and hans holzer but but they're all dead now that and they're all making money off of it to some degree i think the warrens more so than than um well they were getting the publicity they wanted they weren't necessarily out for money they were out for the publicity yeah to sell their books and stuff but also just to be out there but they're still making money off they were still making money um and hans holzer's books didn't really sell but so. I mean that wasn't the intent, though. No, he intended to sell <laughs> to, them to sell them, yeah, and absolutely. make a lot of money. Well, he made a lot more money on his other books. Yeah. Um. And actually, to be fair, I there's a a show on the Travel Channel called The Holzer Files. Yeah. And it's his daughter has opened up his archives to this paranormal group 
and they go and they reinvestigate his investigations with modern technology. Yeah. And I actually love that show. It's a very fascinating show. But again, I kind of watch these things and, and approach these things almost from just a horror fan's perspective. I yeah. like scary things. So, and there's plenty of that here. I just yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I, I I've never really seen anything that made me believe their stories. Mm. I I think I was always. Even reading the book, I was skeptical because mm. it all seemed too perfect. It all seemed to like, like the whole story just kind of, I don't know. It, it just, of course it's going to play out like that. You know, of course this is going to happen. Uh, well, and maybe that's, and I, maybe I didn't see it because of that, because I, you know, growing up with the movie Poltergeist, because it's a very similar story, yes. even though obviously Amityville predates Poltergeist, you know, coming again from a horror film fan's perspective, it didn't have to be unperfect. I mean, it, it flowed like a horror story and this is one's claiming to be true. So, you know, yeah. I'm going to, as a 13 year old kid, mm-hmm. I'm going to go, wow, I'm, this is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. But as an adult, obviously I can't, I just can't do that. No, you know? no. And I, I and I was, I, I was a believer back then too, as far as, you know, supernatural stuff and religion and stuff. I'm not now. It's so. just, it, it's, well, like I said, even like, Interviews that I saw the Lutz family give, they just never seemed credible. Credible to yeah. me. Well, and let's let, let's play devil's advocate for a second and and look at some of those because I've watched a lot of those interviews myself. Because you're right, there's an air of I don't know. They their stories never really changed much. No, no, they they were they're, solid. They're, they were very on their story, like yeah. like. If all this was a lie and bullshit, they did a really good job of laying out their right. bullshit and lies. Absolutely. So, you know, let's let's play devil's advocate and say, okay, watching these interviews, yeah, there's a there's an air of incredulity there. Yeah. But is it is it them who's presenting that, or is it the people who are interviewing them? And, and because I think a lot of possible. the interviews I I've watched. There, it, there's some of that. There's that that's that rude skepticism that you get, yeah. you know, that I, I'm sure I'm guilty of myself in cases like that. Um, when people have told me stories, of their own personal ghost stories, I'm sure I've had an air of arrogant skepticism. Yeah, when which it comes I think to, is a healthy... Not arrogant. Skepticism oh, well, is good. Skeptic, you know, I've, yeah. I've probably been more cross, on the air. You crossed cross the line a little no, bit? I wouldn't say I crossed the line, but I would say that I, I didn't... Um, I was probably rude about it in a sense. Gotcha. You gotcha. know, in the, yeah, really? Are you sure that's what, you know? No, not Ian. <laughs> not, <laughs> right. Ian not Ian would never be rude or... No, I not not often if I can avoid it, but especially when I'm trying when I'm trying to be rational or trying to approach a situation like that because, you know, I you you're never going to get anywhere in a conversation or or as a skeptic approaching things that are difficult to prove or difficult to understand if you're rude about it because it just shuts the conversation. Oh no, yeah, absolutely. So I would I've say, learned. I would say in today's age. Today's day and age, you don't even need to be rude to true for the, for the conversation. And I and I've made mistakes with that. Even with you, when it comes to our our discussions on religion, and it and it just gets to a point where we're just we're yelling yeah, and, t- and and talking at each other rather than talking with each other yeah. about it. A lot of times, and and this isn't even to religion or whatever. It can be this. I think this applies to a lot of conversations. Right, right. 
But in, in is, this case, just because of the, the idea of the supernatural. The, yeah. The, you know, but I was just going to say, you know, I think conversations are just generally difficult when it comes to beliefs or mm-hmm. ideas or personal experiences. You right. know, and, and that's what a lot of it comes down to with, you know, ghost stories or hauntings or whatever. It's hard as the skeptic to argue a situation that you weren't involved in. Right. True. You know? Right. And 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 in full with full disclosure, my father is a strong believer. He has claimed several experiences with the supernatural. Yeah. With with great detail. And I know my father. He's not prone to hyperbole. He's he's a goofer. He he likes to goof around and he likes to, you know, um he's he's you know, dad jokes are his yeah. thing. He's always <laughs> been his thing. He likes to be goofy, Always. but he's never been one for hyperbole. And when it comes to this, he is dead earnest and serious about what he claims he saw and, and experienced. So as a skeptic, I don't want to discredit that. And I also know my father isn't, he's not lying. He believes yeah. what he's telling me. Yeah. So, you know, from that perspective, I, I try not to be rude about it, but yeah. you know, no, I'm it. always going to fall on the side of the supernatural has not been established to exist. So until you can do that, I can't accept supernatural activity. So, okay. All right. So to kind of end the conversation there. Yeah. So you're saying, so you do or you don't believe the Lutz family? I do not. 100% do not. I'm, we'll say 98, 98%. 98%. Yeah. Because right. I'm, you know, I'm never going to be 100% I'm, certain I'm, about everything. I'm completely sold that they're full of shit. Yeah. Like I said, I, I wasn't there. And I can't, I can't disprove their claims. Yeah. I can only look at the evidence. So 98%. And I, and I would apply that to everything I'm skeptical about for the most part. The reason why I say I'm... 100%. I may not be... It's 99.99999% right. is because we're talking 40, over 40 years ago. Approaching 50 now. Yeah. And nothing has happened in the house since then. Right, right. Um. You know, there's no, I know <laughs> you might give me some shit about this. There's no logical understanding of why, even if spirits and, and, and ghosts or whatever you want to call them exist, there's no logical reason why they would like follow you to a different location. Right. Well, and, and if you read those other books, I don't know if you did or not. I did uh, not. Um, they supposedly these spirits, these hauntings, ha- followed them to like Australia. Yeah, because so they like, were on a book tour. Yeah, okay. So and it followed yeah. them there, and then yeah, had experiences there. And, you're really losing me there, but uh, um, now those other books are written more from a fictional perspective in yes. terms of prose. Yeah. So they're then they're a lot longer too. But I actually I recently bought the second and third book on on Amazon used. Mm-hmm. I got them for like ten bucks each. There's I don't know what version I the cover is the same as the one I have of the third book. It's called Amityville the Final Chapter. Yeah. And there's now one going on Amazon for nine hundred dollars. Oh jeez. I don't know if it's the same copy I have because I if you look at it, there's a mass market paperback and then a regular paperback. I don't know which version I have. Yeah. But if it's the 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 one version I have a nine hundred dollar book sitting oh, in my cool. house. Saw that damn thing. No, I, don't, I just haven't read it yet. Oh. I mean, I've read it in the past, but I wanted God. to re. That's why I bought it. I wanted to reread it. You could sell it and buy some records. Yeah, I could. I could buy a lot of records for that. Or you could buy like one 
really expensive record. Really expensive. Well, there's one really expensive record. I'm not still, even if I had $900, I would not spend $900 on it. Yeah. Because I'd never want to play it. I mean, I don't know about that. I wouldn't want to, I would we're seal gonna, it. We're going to talk about that. In on, another show. On, on, <laughs> upcoming episode of the Vinyl Den. But I don't know, I mean, I, I, I guess we can kind of wrap it up there. Yeah. I don't really have anything else to say. It's no, I a, mean, I. I it's it's I, an I, interesting story. It is. And I will always have a soft spot in my heart for it as a ghost story, as a as a fictional ghost story, because I think it's a, an original for the time, yeah. an original quality ghost story. If you're not. Uh, if you if you're not uh, if, if if you're not um, God, what am I trying to say? Uh, if you're not a believer, no, no, that's it's not. Even, it's just if, if this is a story that you haven't read, if you haven't oh, read right. this or haven't seen it before, it's definitely worth checking out. It's yeah, a, it's there's a lot story. of material out there for it. Yeah, I mean, there's YouTube videos, interviews with the Lutzes, interviews with the Warrens about the Amityville haunting. There's those images. Um, that Im- that one image with the little boy, supposedly a, a spirit boy. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot go, of material. Go, out go, there. go check out the Amityville stuff. But, yeah, uh, and then hell, just you know, if you watch the movies, just realize that the movies are not even accurate to what the book no, is. No, no, no. Especially, the, I didn't realize how off the the remake was. Oh yeah, absolutely. The remake was way. No, the off. The, the remake is just a horror movie, is what it is. With, with yeah, but na- I mean names and a loose story from the book. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, you're yeah. You're actually, you're right because they even add like a sub subplot of a yeah. uh, old guy who there's, owned there's the land and killed more, Indians yeah, and so stuff. There, there's a lot more to it. But anyway, just, yeah, go and check that out. Uh, any questions or comments, you can email us at uh, what's our email address, Ian? Uh, reality Reality Redefined Pod at Gmail dot com. But uh, that's all I got, man. Oh, uh, what about our Twitter? I got doing? rid of the Twitter handle. Did you? Oh. Yeah. I don't. I don't use Twitter. So I don't either. I. I don't even. I don't even use my personal Twitter. So <laughs> I know. I. So no, we don't have the Twitter handle anymore. Ian. That was the one that was easy to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Uh, to be fair, I went. I pretty much didn't even use my notes. But they helped you because you remembered them from writing them. So to, right, right. Well, I don't necessarily read all my notes. Well, you're going to be pissed at me because I forgot to email myself my Atlantis notes. Oh, good job. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well. Because so, I just realized that when I opened up my email, I was like, there's only the Amityville one in there. Oh, good job. Well, that's that's all I got, man. Until next time. Talk to y'all later. Peace. My role, let me tell you about it. This shit right here, man, I'm about about it. Only real niggas reside around me. Yo, lady, drop a card around me. Dip like I know you can, bitch. Show me the ropes like we in the ring. Got you some cobras, you wanna hang? Shoulder to shoulder, the niggas basic. You know I won't lie. You know that I ain't for the fuck shit. You niggas alright, but I'm way better and she love it. Know that y'all sick as fuck. Here go this tissue, bro. We taking the dub, hoping you get you some. This here like a pick me up. She taking my drugs. Know they see the sign. That's some dollar signs. Know they sick as fuck. Now they sick as fuck. Tell them get well soon. Tell them get well soon. Now you sick as fuck. Get well soon. Oh shit. Watch out, you the car, Billy. Oh shit. Right now, and I'm smiling in your face, bitch. With a ghost smile, you should probably make placement to your eye. Niggas sick as fuck. Standing with niggas. Who died for that party? Who died for some bitches who showing their bodies? Swear to God, nigga, this Molly got me up and rolling. These bodies of water. Bring that 
shit in bottles. We must at the party that hit when we style it.